I like what you said about being able to come into this movie at any point and yeah. not miss anything. 100% true. And I yep. hate it. It's <laughs> 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 fair. Touche. Touche. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Carter. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification buttons. Uh, we appreciate you doing all that stuff. It'll help you keep up with our episodes, what's coming new, all the fun stuff we do. Also, tell a friend about us. Tell your family about us. <laughs> tell a high-priced prostitute about us. You got to do it. Like, I, you know, and if you don't. If you don't know any, give me a call. I'll let you know. <laughs> He's got the hookups. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I have no idea what we're talking about here. Except that we're reviewing Moulin Rouge as part of week three. Week three. Week three. Of our movies with great soundtracks. And this one qualifies just like the rest of them. Maybe. Yeah. To a certain degree, more than the rest, but I don't know. We'll talk about it. That's fair. That's fair. It was released June 1st, 2001. It was written and directed by Baz Luhrmann. Stars, Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo, Jim Broadbent, Richard Roxburgh, Gary McDonald, Jacek Komen, Matthew Wittett, and Carrie Walker. The... <laughs> I love this synopsis. A poor bohemian poet in 1890s Paris falls for a beautiful courtesan and nightclub star coveted by a jealous duke. I, it's so, some of these are like so inaccurate. This yeah, one's that hilarious. Is not anywhere it's, close. <laughs> yeah, it's like wildly accurate in a vacuum, like in the most basic sense there is, but like this it is a really complex like a story. Piece. Yeah. <laughs> This is what it does. <laughs> it sounds very like sophisticated and fuck no. <laughs> no, what we get is a sex crazed nightmare fueling fever dream. Yeah. That yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and I love it, fucker. I love <sighs> it. And I hate it, even though it's my pick. I know it is your pick. And I love it when you pick movies that you hate because they fit the category. That shit's hilarious. Well, this is another one. So behind the pick, right? So mm. in September, we did independent films. I picked Donnie Darko, a movie I hated. So I wasn't yeah. castrated because it's one of Ochi's <laughs> favorite movies. Yeah, Moulin Rouge is the same exact thing. Mm. It's an it's an Oceana movie that I had to pick. Otherwise, I would hear about it forever. Mm. Um, and I feel like the my introduction to this movie was wrong because she's okay. the one who did it. So what she pitched me was a musical, right? So when I think musical, I'm thinking Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera, you know, Music Man, My Fair Lady, Sound of Music, right? So when the first song kicks off is Sound of Music, I'm like, oh, I'm in it, right? Argentinian comes through the floor. We have the Sound of Music going. <laughs> and then it just goes straight downhill from there. Oh, shit. And she, so when she pitched musical, my face was like after you know the first 10 minutes i was like yeah what because <laughs> this is not like any musical i've ever seen yeah. technically technically it is but that's a very big technically in front of that musical part 
Yeah, technically. Yeah, because I was so I was kind of the first watch through. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Um, but it's another yeah. one that she will watch day in and day out. And so as soon as movies with great soundtracks came on, guess what was on the list? Moulin Rouge. I love it. <laughs> hey, look, me, I was having issues with Oceana because she I had to watch fucking Donnie Darko again because of her ass. <laughs> She's back in my good graces. Not that that shit matters at all to her, but this movie, I'm with her. And Casey fucking hates this movie because to her, she's like, this is dumb. And I'm like, I know. And that's why I love it because there's no point to this movie. Like there is no, when I talk about my love for movies and where my love for movies starts, like this is one of, this is the blueprint for movies that as an adult, as throughout my life that I'm like, I love it. Even Star Wars to a degree, like Star Wars has become this big phenomenon, right? And it's this whole thing. But the reason I loved Star Wars is because at the end of the day, there's no real message to Star Wars. It's so convoluted. And George Lucas is like, I liked samurai shit. So, and I like stories about honor and I like stories that are cyclical. All of that is just shit that he mashed together into Star Wars and then put it in space. Right. So I was like, but when you look at Star Wars, there's no real fucking point. I love movies that I don't have to fucking like. I love a good movie I have to think about and it makes me think and I'm like, mm, that's interesting. But I am purely 100 percent entertained by a movie like this where I could come in in the middle, the end, the beginning, and it doesn't fucking matter. I'm not missing anything besides some interesting takes on popular songs or like some really weird fucking acting by John Leguizamo as a fucking dwarf with a lisp. I, it's just the whole fucking thing is weird, inappropriate, and pointless, and it entertains the fuck out of me. That, All true. Yeah. It, it bugs me, though, that I like I like what you said about being able to come into this movie at any point and yeah. not miss anything. 100% true, and I yep. hate it. it's fair touche too motherfucking che i can't argue because it's one of those things where i mean i feel like a lot of it is drawn out in some scenes yeah to the point of where i'm sitting there going please just finish this please just finish this song please please let's move on to something else yeah um but some of it i really enjoy and think is hilarious Mm -hmm. and it's you know his little sidekick crew Oh, right, fuck. that keeps popping up in the background everywhere. Yep, and just the whole kind of don't know the right word for it, but how he gets mistaken for the Duke. Yeah, right. And you have this, uh, or they're they're talking back and forth. Yeah, he's over there, you know, shaking hands with so and so. That's Duke. Yeah, yeah, that's Duke. And you see their point of view and their perspectives, and so I like I giggle, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. hilarious because it keeps cropping up in the movie where it's almost this, you know, quote unquote happy accidents. Yeah. That always seem to line up perfectly. Um, but it's the it's, it's wrapped in that just weird as fuck shit <laughs> drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I get that. I will say that the one downfall that this movie has for me is it is long at, ju- at just a little over two hours. Like there's there's a lot of editing that could have happened in this movie because of the point that I made, you can jump in and out of this movie and not miss anything. 
there was no reason for it to be two hours and seven minutes long of a runtime. It just doesn't need to be that. And they drag out like the middle where the love story is happening again, like to against the Duke. Like you could have had one scene instead of like five where they're all lovey dovey and shit. Cause you had to have that one major scene where she realizes that she does like this guy and she's falling in love and the big musical number out on top of the giant elephant and shit. Like you had to have that, but there's like three or four more after that, where it's them kind of rubbing the Duke's nose in it. Cause he's too fucking stupid to realize what's going on. And that this whole story is about him that I'm like, okay, we get it. You don't have to keep going, but that's a Baz Luhrmann thing. Like his movies are always longer than they need to be. Cause and I'll give him credit. Like he tells the stories and he makes the movies exactly the fucking way he wants to. But he is, he blow his movies are usually bloated and need a little bit of editing because he just he overdoes it. And this movie is guilty of that. Like if it has one downfall for me, I, if I watch it, this is the first time in as long as I can remember that I've watched it from beginning to end. And I remember watching it going, God damn it, this is long. <laughs> because <laughs> i always usually watch it in like 30 to 45 minute blocks especially back in the day because in 2001 i mean fuck i was what i would have just turned 30 wait no just 20 20 yeah i would have just turned 20 so when it look i'm trying to make myself older than i am <laughs> that never fucking happens so when it when i'm watching this movie back then 20 early 20s you could we had to scroll through tv and so this shit would be on and i'd be like fuck yeah so i'd see a piece of it and i'd be like let's go and then i'd jam but then i'd fucking switch it because i'm not gonna miss anything and i'll be like i'll come back to it later i'll watch it again at some point that's what i love about this movie whereas watching it from front to back like i was like oh god that's a struggle i haven't done that in a while and it's long and it's a little too much of some of the silly shit too like there's some parts with because I love his bohemian band of fucking play people. But I'm like, okay, it's a lot. We've seen this five times now. We can skip this part too. I I think this could have been an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minute movie. It would have been perfect for me. I will from, say, I think this is the one time where shorter runtime would not have helped. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, if you hate a movie, it doesn't matter how short it is. That's how I feel about Dirty Dancing. Hour and 40 minutes, too fucking long still. Like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. So, no, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but it's – so it's it's entertaining, right? And I, I like those storytelling yeah. um, behind it. It makes sense to me. It's, you know, this, this period of time, kind of turn the century, um, you know, World Wars haven't happened yet, so you don't have this bleak outlook. It's, you know, happy-go-flucky fun times, mm-hmm. um, right? And so, like, I love what they did with the scenery, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that that elephant's a real thing in Paris, or yeah. was a real thing in Paris. But I love how they put her in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she gets to live in the elephant mm-hmm. um, and all this other stuff. And so you have all these lights, great storytelling behind, like, kind of the attitude, right, of what everybody's thinking at this time. Yeah, and if it was just a little less weird, <laughs> I think I could stomach it. But it goes so batshit bonkers, yeah. Um, that it's just off the wall. I mean, I, I I know the actor, but I can't think of his name. Who's like the head of the 
Moulin Rouge. Um, oh, that's Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Yeah, love like, him. He, he he's so good. Yeah. At- what he does but i hated the character he plays. really he's like, like i think jim broadman steals this movie oh he does but i hate his character <laughs> like with a passion he does such a good job in his role yeah but i i want nothing more than to watch him get tuberculosis <laughs> fair enough i mean he is a dick across the board like he like he is like this it, it's true I get what you're saying because I love Jim Broadbent and I love how good he is at this character. But the character is like, you're like, oh, I like him because at first he's like helping out and he's like, oh, this is good for the Moulin Rouge. But as soon as that shit starts to turn, he's like, no, fuck this shit. You got to get rid of this dude. So I get that. Like, he's an asshole, but he plays it real well. Oh, he does. And that's what makes me like genius. Hate him more. Fair. Fair. (laughs) Because I like him. I like the character he plays. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love this movie because of the amount of that. Look, I don't like, I actually don't enjoy, and this is a, God, I'm full of unpopular opinions, these recordings, but I'm not a massive uh, Nicole Kidman fan. Like, ah. I don't mind Nicole Kidman and I like more of what she's done recently in her older parts. Like she just was part of a movie. I don't know if you've watched the show or not. You should, if you haven't on Paramount plus called lioness. Haven't. Very good. And, and she's not in it a ton, but when she's in it, she knocks it out of the park, but it's a very good TV show. Very cool. Uh, I like her in her, in the recent stuff, I wasn't a huge fan of her in her younger stuff, including this, like beautiful woman, great actress, just not my thing. Like, and I think it was more because I just didn't like the movies that she did less. She's always been a great actress, just not my cup of tea because of that. She picked some weird movies when she was younger and she started off really bad with days of thunder. And I was like, fuck it's a remake of top gun with cars and i don't like nascar and so that movie left a bit bad taste in my mouth so anyway but she has that youtube jj hates nicole kidman whoa fucker (laughs) (laughs) let the algorithm get a hold of that um i didn't say i okay i don't like nicole kidman that much i'm saying fucking this guy um but i love her in this and then i love J- john linguizamo and i love ewan mcgregor and i've loved ewan mcgregor since uh train spotting like i love like his old original shit is i've always enjoyed ewan mcgregor so him in this i didn't know he could sing before this oh he feels so out of place yeah, it just but doesn't good at it yeah like and he's awkward and he plays that i just enjoy him and even as, as awkward and really, what's the word? John Leguizamo's character is so uncouth. Like, <laughs> na- this movie couldn't be made just because of John Leguizamo's character. Like, it's bad news bears, but I love John Leguizamo. Everything he does is great to me. So I love him in this. But I just, it's just fun, man. Like, I just have a good time. And I love the weird takes on the modern songs too like i think 
and to fit into what the category is music like movies are great soundtracks like when he starts busting out into your song and like then he starts rolling through and you get everything from fucking bowie to ozzy osbourne to fucking i'm like what the fuck is happening right now but this is amazing and i just yeah like there is very little from the perspective of this like weird ass fucking movie that i just don't like i just think it's so different and interesting and so over the top awkward and weird that i just i'm so entertained anytime i watch it but if it didn't have the music and it didn't have the 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 main core of actors this movie would be awful i like that point you made about the music yeah, I think it could still work with the main core of actors, depending on the scene that you put in. But it would be a stretch. Yeah. But I mean, I, I hate it. So I, I wish it wouldn't work. But I think it could still work, but not without the music. Like yeah. the music is really good. Yep. It's amazing. Some, some parts, I, it's a slog even for me. And I, I like music. But like the whole, I, for example, I don't like the elephant song. Because at that point, I feel like it's time to wrap up this movie. And oh, shit. No, it's not. It's fair. It's fair. And that's me being nitpicky. That's me being my nitpicky self. Sure. Um, I mean, you kind of have to with a movie like this. Because it's so silly. Like, and I think... I don't know. And I know that like I say that I love this movie and a lot of people look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because it's it is silly and it's weird. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's weird, too, because if you were to take this movie. And take out all the goofy shit and make it a drama, I think you could make a really fucking solid movie because of the storyline that's there, because I find it very interesting, this story within the story that they use the story that's happening. He makes it up on the fly to get out of this situation that he's caught, right? It's a, it's a comedy of errors situation where, like you said, they're having this conversation, uh, Jim Broadbent's character, the owner of the brothel, and then the, and then Satine, are having this conversation about you need to meet the Duke. And then Leguizamo's got this whole thing set up to where it's on accident that they're seeing two different people as the Duke because the situation's happening. Like you said, comedy of errors, weird situation. But then when they get caught, he immediately goes into telling this story as a playwright that he's making up on the spot because it's happening in real time. And then he continues to write this story that they're making into a play that the Duke himself is funding as it happens in front of his face where he's the asshole, the, you know, the, the Maharaja. Yeah. The Maharaja. And it's just like, I'm like, he's the antagonist to this movie and the antagonist that this movie is about, you know what (laughs) this plays about. And I love that, that layering of the stories and how unbelievable, I know it's weird. I just got done shitting on a movie for being unbelievable, but this level of unbelievability for me works because it's and I think you could really I would love to see this as a full on drama, like fucking serious stakes. Like it's not about they're going to shoot him at the end if it 
you know, if he sings this song, but or shows up at all, but like this mother, like make the Maharaja instead of Maharaja, he's a fucking gangster, like he's a head of a mob family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some drug cartel, whatever you want to go with. I think it'd be dope as fuck because I love the complexity of the situation and how they're having to like, and they make it goofy in the show, in this movie, right. Where they're really out in front of everybody with their, their relationship and the Mahara, like the fucking Duke's too stupid to see it and recognize it. But I think it'd be interesting if like, they're actually hiding behind corners and really testing and taking un unwise chances around this person that isn't stupid. They've just done a good job of hiding it. And wow, I think you can make an interesting. So that for me is another level of this movie beyond the entertainment value that the story to me, I think is very intriguing and very interesting. It just adds another level to the movie being fucking wildly entertaining to me for no reason whatsoever. There also is this layer of that's very interesting to me. So interesting. I like that. So I got a question for you, JJ. Yeah. Cause this just popped into my head, but this sure. is week three of, uh, you know, movies with great soundtracks. Uh-huh. And, you know, while the first two grease and dirty dancing are very similar, right? Yeah. This one's out in left field in comparison. We see a similar kind of storyline that you brought up in our last recording, which is kind of like this romanticized Romeo and Juliet difference of classes. We yeah. see that here as well. Yep. Is this like the staple for movies that need great soundtracks? Like you have to have this kind of a Romeo Juliet, rich and poor storyline. Cause I'm just thinking in my head and like, well, fucking, you know, we got another one coming. We got another one coming up. That is, it isn't rich and poor, but it's different. Yeah. Wow. Different worlds kind of meet in the middle. Um, wow. I didn't really think about that. You know, what's funny though, is I think, this one stands alone from our grouping. Okay. So if you take away the four movies that we've done that aren't the horror movie for Halloween, we have three movies that take place in. This is interesting. There's a tie in. You ready for this? Okay. okay. We have three movies that take place in the late 70s, is the oldest, and then early and mid 80s. In fact, because Footloose is 84. Yeah, yeah, because it came out in the, in my opinion, best movie year for movies in history. In 1984, you have mid, late 80s, late 70s, all of which, in some people's opinions, are the best time for music as well. I'm a firm believer in that a lot of the 70s music was some of the best music, in my opinion. And the 80s had great, but it was very different music than the 70s and 60s here's a flip on your head a lot of the music that takes place in moulin rouge comes from the same era as those mm. other three movies that we're talking about so i don't necessarily think it has to have that storyline but i think if you were to go through 1970 late 70s early 80s or all of the 80s because of how good the music was I think that's a lot of the reason that three of our four great movie soundtracks lean into that era of seven late seventies through the eighties movies, because the music was, there was, it was ripe for the picking for soundtracks. 
and I think about modern movies that have great soundtracks, like even like what was the other one that we were going to do? Because I had uh, Forrest Gump on the list, which, in my opinion, has one of the greatest soundtracks, period. Eight Mile was the one standalone because it's modern music, whereas like even Forrest Gump, 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s music. Well, it's interesting you say that because think about the movies that we've seen recently, right? Mm-hmm. Hollywood's going back, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, even what was the Covenant that we watched? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. they go back to the same decade, seventies, eighties, mm-hmm. for yep. that. God damn it! Yep. Well, <laughs> and if you think so, there was an old TV show. I don't know if you ever watched this called Cold Case. Um, mm-hmm. That was a great show. They had a hard time. So, like back when TV shows like that, where it was old enough and they didn't, we didn't have streaming rights. They had re re. Re, they had channels that did nothing but replays or of old shows. And then when the streaming rights came out, like Netflix didn't carry cold case for the first little while that it was out because they couldn't get the rights to the music. Because mm-hmm. one of the things about cold case is it had these really unique musical tie-ins to the decades and the times that it was going back to for these cold cases. It had a lot of seventies and eighties music. Um, and you had other decades as well, but a ton that took place 70s, 80s, 90s. And so I, yeah, I think, I think it's a good realization. That's a great question because I think less about the storyline and more about the timing, about the music for the, and the music itself that you pick for your soundtrack. And this goes, I mean, this is a whole different conversation that we could do like an extra podcast episode that has nothing to do with movies. But I, I'm not a big fan of modern music. I'm a music guy. I was a music major in college, so I'm not a musician, and I'm not a anymore, and I'm not like a you know, some sort of musical genius or guru, but I love music I'm in my core. And I'm not, there's very little modern music that I'm like, that's great music because just like in movies, our musicians have gotten less creative than they were in ages past. It, it's, and again, it's hard to find things that are original in movies and television and music and I think that's one of the reasons that, that those decades, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, were so good with music is it was the modern height of creativity in music, in my opinion. And, yeah, I think the mu- these soundtracks fit right in with that. So it's a good parallel. It's a good call out. I didn't even think about the fact that we had a lot of overlap there. And I didn't realize that we were doing three fucking copies of – Goddamn Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> well, that, that hit that me up. literally when you were talking about, uh, you know, the storyline and everything. Yeah. It hit. It was like, mm, I got to ask this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just different takes on the same story, right? And I think yeah. it's interesting to – but I, I feel like most love stories have some – I mean, in a, to, to a degree, like Romeo and Juliet was the original – major chick flick if you want to go down that line like and call it by that derogatory name or so what some would call it but i it's it was the original and so a lot of that copycat nature it's the greatest form of flattery whatever you want to call it it's hard to tell a story that doesn't make sense and isn't going to be popular if you follow that pattern of people that shouldn't be falling in love falling in love and then the drama that ensues because of it it's going to work it's worked for hundreds of years it'll continue to work Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) 
But if you can get a good soundtrack to go behind it, I'll watch it. Music. True enough. <laughs> but I've said for years, I think music makes all the difference in any movie. Like if you have shitty music, your movie takes a hit for it. If you have a great soundtrack and great background music, even you People don't even have to have a soundtrack. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> have a great score. There are movies because like, like I think about Gladiator. It doesn't have a soundtrack. There's no modern. There's no music soundtrack, but it has a score that's outrageously good. And so I think music itself, movies wouldn't be even remotely good without their oh, music. Yeah. Think so. about Pirates of the Caribbean without the oh, Hans fun. Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Well, there you go with uh, Gladiator. Yeah. He was part of that too. So love it. All right. Should we rate this thing? Yeah. Damn it. It's my movie your, again. Your movie again. I only get one movie this <laughs> this month. And Thanks, yeah. Charles. Um, so I, I don't like this movie. Um, the The struggle comes with the the soundtrack because the soundtrack is good. Yeah. There's a, points in time where I don't like, you know, the soundtrack necessarily matching up with the movie. It goes on for too long, whatever the reason may be. But the soundtrack for me saves this movie for anything. So I'm going to go in. I'm going to give it a two and a half. Hmm. Middle of the road. Don't don't want to upset nobody. But two and a half. I watched this when I'm forced to by Oshi. Hmm. Uh, I've only watched this like three times in the last seven years. Wow. Um, which is about almost as long as we've been together dating. Uh, so I, I, I go a long time before she convinces me to watch it again. But as soon as soundtracks came up, had to go on there. Sure. Um, but yeah, two and a half for me. I'll watch it again. It's just not of my you know own free will. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I can't believe, and this will be the start of my rating, I can't believe you don't like the elephant medley. Like, that kills me, dude. Like. That's the, in my opinion, that's like the pinnacle of this movie. Where you, I mean, you go through so much freaking music right there, and like, it's so. There's this moment that I love where it's like you have all these music, these songs that are relatively similar, and then all of a sudden you have Bowie's "We Can Be Heroes." That I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like you just completely change tempo, freaking musical style, melody, but it works for me, and I think. I remember seeing this movie in theaters and going because Ewan McGregor was one of my favorites. He, I loved him when he was doing early movies. Like I said, train spotting, love that movie as dark and heavy as it is. I love it. And then he was in star Wars. He, you know, he came out in the, in 2099 and then 2001 again in four or 2002 later for after this one in the, pre, this prequel trilogy, but he had just hit, and I'm like, this is my guy. I love you and McGregor. So I went and watched it, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And I remember leaving going, I couldn't tell you what just happened, but I was entertained. And that has stuck with me since 2001. And then that is, it does not matter. And I blew Casey's mind because the first time this came on, I was like, don't fucking switch it. That's Moulin Rouge. We got to watch that. She goes, you like Moulin Rouge? I'm like, don't you fucking dare this on Moulin Rouge. That's my movie right there. Because I just, there is no part of that movie that I do not feel entertained. You even get a little emotional at the end when Satine's dying. And I love that they made, eventually they made uh obi-wan kenobi's love interest in star wars was satine as well i was like yes 
that's beautiful. And you know that shit was on purpose, too. They fucking did oh, that. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, Gregor was sitting there going, dude, when you write my animated character, he's got to fall in love with someone named Satine because that shit's fucking great. But it's purely entertaining. I love the story within the story. I love that it's – I know it's so opposite of, of Dirty Dancing and the fact that I shit all over that movie. But then this movie, because it's so silly and unbelievable, it's entertaining to me because it's unbelievable in a very unbelievable way because it's so out there and it's so over the top and I'm just purely entertained. So I forgive almost all of the things that I normally would hate because I cannot help but smile when I'm watching this movie. I just enjoy it. I'm going to give it a four. It's not a perfect movie. There are issues. It's a little long. It's a little goofy at times. It doesn't make a lot of sense overall but i fucking am entertained every time i watch it and i'll watch this movie anytime no questions asked especially in pieces like i don't know that you could get me to watch it anytime Uh, that's not true i would even all of it from front to back i'd sit down and watch anytime i just bitch about the fact that it's two hours and seven minutes long yeah i love it so four for me it's the monty python effect it is that's what it is it is it is (laughs) which is ironic because i'm not the lover of monty python that most people are but (laughs) that format works for me with this movie i'm such a contradiction in terms the more i think about it like i like shit that you would go well then you must like this i actually i fucking hate that shit but (laughs) or i'm like fuck i hate this well then there's no way you like that actually i fucking love that shit (laughs) so maybe i just like to be contrary i don't know that's gotta be it could be i'm just a nice contrary i'm not an annoying contrary like javier <laughs> myself <laughs> you or the ginge i was gonna say that the the ginge is a little contrary but i think it's he's only annoying to me as contrarian because he's always contrary to my beliefs <laughs> so, fucking knock it off you red-headed bastard no <laughs> love you Martin. with that alec tell everybody where they can find us Happy to. Thank you for tuning in to our roller coaster of a review of Moulin Rouge. Uh, this is week three of Movies with Great Soundtracks Month. Uh, notice that this is Movies with Great Soundtracks, not Great Movies with Soundtracks. The location of the great is very important. Uh, this Fair month's enough. theme is brought to you by our wonderful patron, Chad the Dick, whose name I'm sure has changed at this point. I hate this new name, but we are thankful for you and your face. All our content is currently coming from Patreon and Charles the Dick. So if you uh, want to get involved, please, somebody take away the Monopoly. (laughs) With that being said, I will kick it back to the Wazir of WAP, the great Bambino, JJ. That's right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Think about the name change on the second call out. I did. It was great. (laughs) Especially considering the whole Chad the Dick thing gives me like, anxiety and fucking ptsd because it's my <laughs> shitty life story that he took and turned that into anyway no it's funny i love it chad the dick what god we record too much shit i can't even remember what i told that story on uh it was host wasn't it it was the the horror oh. movie yeah. but he hasn't seen that yet has he no but i put it it's in the extra content speaking of we ah, have extra content that you do. can only find on patreon and that story was part of the extra extra content so he has seen that. Um, Chad the Dick. I think it's a great name. With that, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We will catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinematic out.